Father God, thank you for this church and thank you um, for these people and thank you that we could just meet together um, and just uh, look at your word and, and enjoy you. Um, Lord, uh, we just uh, bless your name and just ask that you uh, speak uh, through this message today and that, um, that you just encourage us. Uh, we love you, Jesus, and just ask these things in your name. Amen. So if you guys haven't realized yet, it's Palm Sunday. Um, and it is the beginning of the Holy Week. And Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, is the end. Um, and it's, it's two wonderful bookends to this week. It's, it's two wonderful bookends to a difficult, broken, life-giving week. Um, but, but what happens in the middle of the week? And if you think of Good Friday, that's not what I'm talking about. There's something else that happens. Um, looking at life, we love highlights. Um, I don't really know if Sports Center is still a thing, is it? Yeah? Okay. I, I've, it's annoying to me. Um, <laughs> So Sports Center, we, people love Sports Center, and, and we love little quotes of just like that get to the heart of the issue uh, without going like to the why behind the why of, of why that actually is a big thing for us. Or, or, or we love the mountaintop moments of life, or like how we like to present our Instagram life, um, and how cool our food is, or how awesome uh, our life is, and it's so glossy. Um, but what about the unseen? What about the days of difficulty? We don't really post those or, or, or address those at all. Uh, what about the, the valleys of the mundane, of the really hard stuff of, of wondering where God is in it all? Over the last 20-ish months, I've, uh, I've been walking down a road uh, with, with the Lord just trying to answer those questions. Uh, and it's not been a road that has been easy, but it's, it's been a road that's been worth it. Um, and it's always led back to one single word, a Greek word, Eucharisteo. Um, a couple months ago, I was able to come home and, and share a little testimony with you guys about gratitude. And um, today, uh, I'm going to like, just kind of build off of that and kind of go deeper with that, um, with that story and some things that were below the surface within that that I didn't realize up until recently um, and that, that shot up and really grabbed me and... and Messed me up. Um, this, this word Eucharisteo came to my attention, um, you know, like 20 months ago, essentially, uh, through a book that I think is meant for ladies, um, <laughs> the, and that I, I read on accident. Um, it, it's called 1,000 Gifts by Ann Voskamp. Has anyone heard of it? Has anyone read it? Is my assessment that it's primarily a, a women's book accurate? No. No? No? Yeah? So, but one of the really interesting things about the book is it's the hardest book I've ever read. And it's not because it's the, the, the meatiness of it, because it's really meaty and good, or the theological application or any of that stuff. It's because of how she talks about things. She is the most descriptive writer I've ever read. I never knew you could describe a pin in so many ways the way she does it. It's incredible. And it made me like really just like mad sometimes because I'm like, just get to the point. <laughs> but also I learned to enjoy her perspective because it was something different. She was, she was looking at things differently than I'd ever done before and she was showing it in a way that was really valuable. And that's where this word kind of hinges is that book. 
The theme of the book is gratitude and the importance of it in all aspects of life, in all things of life. And whether we realize it or not, Holy Week is a week of gratitude, uh, especially at the end. Uh, We get to experience the end result of Jesus' difficult work on the cross, a work that highlights our need for a Savior, a work that highlights our sinfulness, our iniquity, our rebellion against God, a work that highlights how huge of a separation has caused us uh, to have a relationship with God, but also it emphasizes, which I think this is something that we never acknowledge or hardly do, of the insane value God has placed on each of our lives. He wagered all of heaven, his own son, so that we could be reunited with him. Like every, He gave up everything to have a relationship with us. And he was willing to, gladly. We look at Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday with the easiness of gratitude, and it's easy to be grateful for what we have received in that gift of grace. And there's a day we often overlook uh, each year uh, during this week, and it's a day of, of lessons that we can learn from, from Jesus' response. And this sermon is probably like, it could be a good eight sermons all in one. Um, and so I'm going to try and like condense it down as much as I can. But that day is Thursday. Uh, Holy Thursday, Monday Thursday, whatever other weird term you want to call it. It's, it's, it's seemingly a day of not much. Uh, but within the not much of life, God often teaches us a whole lot. I don't have much going on in my life right now because I sit around waiting for appointments to go to. But God is teaching me so much in the not much. And it's really hard, but it's really good. So that day, that Thursday of Holy Week, it's, it's a day of final preparation. Kurt mentioned Passover and all that stuff. And it's a day of preparation of, of hearts that, that we can begin to prepare our heart for Good Friday. Um, and it's a day of final preparation for activities for, regarding Passover and, and food as well. It's a day of enjoying friends. Jesus did that in the Last Supper. Uh, a day of anticipation. Jesus did that um, with the Last Supper as well. And a day of displaying gratitude in and through brokenness. And this is what we're going after today. You have your Bible or your phone, uh, Luke 22, 14 to 20. We're going to be there for a little bit, and then later down uh, in, the, in the chapter, uh, a few verses down. So I'm going to read it, just in case you don't have, have a Bible. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat again until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he, and he took a cup, and when he had given thanks... He said, take this and divide it among yourselves, for I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this, is the, this cup that has been poured out for you is the new covenant of my blood. Okay, so first, how often do we look at a blessing over a meal? I think it's something we just kind of slide through if we do pray before we eat. And how often have we overlooked Jesus saying thanks before a meal? Every single one of Jesus' food miracles, the feeding of the 5,000 and and all those things, he said, thanks God for what you're going to do. He said, thanks for for this, what you're providing us and and all that stuff. And that that actual word, that that thank you, is, is that word eucharisteo. 
But this time was different. And, and we, we know this, this is the Last Supper in the Scripture that we usually read before communion or in one of the other Gospels or, or maybe in Corinthians or whatever. But the whole point of this is, it's a story of remembrance. Do this in remembrance of me. And there's something really deep to that. This is a day where the brokenness of Christ begins. His brokenness creates an opportunity for our wholeness. If we are born again, if we are born again, this is the day that the labor pains begin. This is the quiet before the storm. This is, this is where we can see the faith of Jesus become really real and see him become really human. And we see that in, in his response in verses 17, 18, and 19. He gave thanks, Eucharisteo, for what was ahead. He gave thanks for his broken body, which was symbolized by the bread. And he, he, he gave thanks for his spilt blood that cleanses us and symbolizes a cup. So this word Eucharisteo, it's, you know, it's a Greek word. I mentioned that already. And, and it's, it's really incredible that our language is so simple that we can't, like, put things together. Um, we can't, we don't have a, the actual meaning of this word in the English language. So I broke it down, and, and the root word here is, is charis, right in the middle. And that word itself means grace and joy. And then the, the kind of the end of the word brings in the gratitude. So, so this word is absolutely full of meaning. One simple word, a simple word that means thanksgiving, gratitude, grace, and joy. A word that gives opportunity to look at the life that we have and see how full it is when we stop and say thank you. We have an opportunity to see how full it is before, during, and after Christ's brokenness, but also our own. The simple word has altered the absolute trajectory of my life, uh, especially how I think and respond to tough times and, and seemingly uh, rough times. And, and it's etched on my heart where I can't get rid of it, ever. So we define Eucharisteo. I think we need to define brokenness. Brokenness can be our own sin impacting our lives. It can be the sin of others, of, of something that we grew up in or with or or how someone maybe have, has disparaged our character, or um, how, how someone else has affected us in such a negative way that, that it still messes with us. Or the enemy's ploy, brokenness can be the enemy's ploy to separate us from God and attempt to show us that God isn't this good of, good of a father that we think he is, that he's actually kind of poor at it. But brokenness can also be the discipline of God, which is in our best interest. Within brokenness and everything that Satan does, his goal is to always steal, kill, and destroy. He steals our soul or tries to because misery loves company. He kills our hopes and our dreams because his own were shot down when he got booted from God's presence due to his pride, due to his sin. And he destroys our heart in the position we need to take or attempts to and the viewpoint we must have of God as a good father and tries to destroy our spirit responding to the Holy Spirit because he longs for us to be separated from God in every way possible. He wants to divide and conquer. He can't overcome. He doesn't win the war. We know that. All you got to do is read the book of Revelation. That's the, end, that's the end game. But his goal from now until then 
is to win one battle with us. The battle of our mind, the battle of our heart. And he does that through brokenness. He just wants to win that one single battle because that one single battle then plants that seed of, of misbelief and mistrust of who God is and how messed up that can be. He wants to just get one little root in there and then it just blows up and it messes up our lives with God. I mentioned a story uh, when I was home last time and, and earlier, um, and it's a story from, from July of 2016. I was up in northern Iraq, and um, this story really messed me up. Uh, Ethan's going to show a picture. So this is a place that means absolutely nothing to no one. Um, it's, it's a place called Firebase Bell. Uh, it's about 15 to 20 miles south of Mosul, Iraq, and um, those are some mountains, and it's right on the, uh, the Nineveh Plains, um, and it, 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 it's, it's just some dirt mounds with some barbed wire on top, uh, some bunkers, and some equipment. It, it's a place of insignificance in the grand scheme of things, um, except for those who've been there, and especially for the guys who've lived there. Um, and, and some of my guys uh, were there for a very long time, and I, and I had the opportunity to go visit with them, and I didn't realize what it was like there. The, you see the, the dirt and stuff, it, it's not gravel. It's moon dust. It's, it's like, it's like the, the consistency of powdered sugar, uh, that, but it's dehydrated. It's really weird. I tried to take some home, um, but customs found it. So... <laughs> Every, I, I went to seven different countries, and I took dirt uh, from each one, and I was only able to smuggle in some, uh, not smuggle, uh, but <laughs> to, I was able to bring some home from one country, and it was the most disappointing place that I'd met, so, um, so what, whatever. But so some of my guys were there, and, and two of my guys, my favorite ones, uh, were up there, and, and I'd miss them a lot, and, and they were... 20, 20 and 22, so the average age of 21, and, um, and we sat down in the dirt one night, um, and we just chatted. It was about midnight, and it was stinking hot and miserable, and I saw that my role when I went up there as a chaplain was to, one, pray with them if they wanted it, two, encourage them when I could, three, shut up and listen. That's it. And that third one was the most important one, I think. Because the third one led to the other two. I stayed quiet most of the time I was there because they just needed to talk. But when they spoke, there was so much wisdom in their words. The, the wisdom bombs that were dropped on me that day centered around gratitude something these guys had no idea that I had been chewing on at all. Um, more than chewing on it, but they spoke of, of, of what they had longed for, um, but even more so of what they were grateful for. Uh, the, the, the things of little uh, significance, um, pretty much just comfort of ice and air conditioning and uh, cold beer. Um, we drank lukewarm, non-alcoholic beer when we were up there for one of the guy's birthdays. His mom sent him a case. Um, the best beer I've ever had. And it was really unique, and it felt, we felt normal for 10 minutes. 
and that was the best thing. Things of huge significance. God's presence and his creative genius. I mean, that doesn't like look at, like it's all that creative there. It's brown, you know? But it's, it, it, they, the, the sunsets there were beautiful. His sovereignty and, 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 and God meeting them when they didn't meet with him. And they talked of home and how grateful they were for home. These guys didn't even know that they were addressing these deep things. They were just talking, and I kind of just took their words and put them back together and gave it back to them. They're like, oh. Which then allows me to be a chaplain and let them know some other things. They were grateful for, for all this stuff because they realized what was missed. They were grateful because they knew also what they were caught in the middle of. Um, life happened to them, and, and they were a part of something much bigger than themselves. And, and we can see just a sliver of it on the news. And, and I'm going to give you a little secret. Don't believe three-quarters of what you see on the news. It's not political. Like, what's going on is not even accurate that, that's being broadcasted. Um, personal experience, seeing things I've seen, places I've been, much different than, than the reality that's presented to us. So, um, so through life happening um, and, and all this stuff, and they became broken, and they became broken from, from relationships collapsing out of nowhere. Uh, one of the guys, his fiance had literally like broken up with him on Facebook uh, that week that I came up and visited. And it's just ridiculous. Like, no one know she didn't know what he was living in. They were, they were breathing in dust constantly, that moon dust that just like gets sucked into your lungs and, and you're constantly dehydrated and sweating profusely and, and their bodies were broken because they've lost so much weight and had no muscle structure or not much of it, and their minds had become fragmented for various reasons. The, the, the fragility of life that, that they had to face every day and, and the quickness that it can be taken. Both theirs being taken, but also how they uh, had to take others. 20 and 22, having to walk through that stuff. Not easy. It's a heavy stuff that weighs on us, that kind of cracks our souls sometimes. And, and, and we have to deal with it at some point in our lives. They decided to deal with that hard stuff sitting right there looking at those mountains. They didn't want to bring it home with them. I thought that was one of the most insightful things I've ever heard. And they decided to deal with it by being grateful for what they didn't have. They decided to deal with the hard facts of their lives. They decided to deal with the, uh, they decided that in the midst of, of broken bodies and minds and hearts that they would choose gratitude. Not just for the little things, but also addressing the major things. Uh, the, the little things kept them going, you know, the, the, the hoping for, for, oh, maybe we'll get some ice tomorrow. Like, and then the ice came. It, it was something to celebrate. The little things were, were what kept them driving so that they wouldn't get so bogged down by the difficulty of their lives. And they took joy in it, in the smallest things. 
and a lukewarm beer that's probably actually more like hot in the middle of nowhere with their buddies. They were living in war and they were, they were grateful for it. Their world like ours was broken. Their lives and their hearts were broken. But within that brokenness, and maybe because of that brokenness, they decided to choose to plant and harvest and gather up gratitude. Through the harvesting of gratitude, we produce joy. Rather, joy is created and produced in us because joy is a fruit of the Spirit. And when that joy comes, after that response of gratitude, it just re-emphasizes everything and gives us strength to just continue to be more grateful, Lord, for what you're doing, even though I don't get it, even though I don't see it, I know that you're good, even though it doesn't feel that way. But joy does something to us. So let's go back to Luke. Um, looking, looking at the scripture, what can we pull from this? Jesus anticipated this, this last supper before his brokenness, and he had an idea that something was happening. He knew the end game. Um, verse 15, you know, it, it, he says, before I suffer. He saw what was ahead and it didn't phase him. It affected him, but it didn't deter him. He saw it on the horizon, but he also embraced it. Do we anticipate this kind of stuff? Are we surprised by it in our own lives? It doesn't matter if we anticipate it or if we're surprised by it. Either way, our response has to be the same, and, and that's necessary. Uh, Paul in Hebrews 12 too, uh, encourages, us, encourages us to keep our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. Jesus knew the end game and so do we. He wins. That's it. And if we're in him, so do we. Christ knew what was ahead. He knew the pain and the anguish and the hatred that would be just thrown at him and the loneliness and the separation from God that he had never felt before and the great turning away of his friends, the people that he trusted the most. All these things we have, can, or will experience in life or have, except for God turning his back on us. Yet Jesus still, despite all that, chose gratitude in his brokenness and in his circumstance. So we're not alone in, in, in brokenness when that, when that happens and when that comes into our lives. And he is more familiar with it than we can ever imagine or comprehend. But he also overcame it. So all this week, it's not just about Sunday morning and the glory of the resurrection. It's a big part of it. That makes the rest of it you know, doable. It's not just about the pain and the agony uh, and the innocent bloodshed on our behalf for our guilt on Good Friday. It's also about Thursday. Thursday teaches us how to prepare and react for our own Good Friday experiences, but also his. Thursday teaches us how to practice and respond better and more appropriately for what happens on Resurrection Sunday 
and how he resurrects us when his, new mer- when his mercies come new every morning. We have a res- resurrection every morning when our slate is wiped clean because of our sin from the previous day. He's that good that he gives us and refreshes us daily. Thursday is often forgotten. Thursday is the day that Christ chose gratitude and brokenness. Thursday is the day Jesus showed us that being grateful in shattered portions of life can actually cause us to rely and trust him more. It's about Eucharisteo on the cusp of brokenness. It's about Eucharisteo within brokenness. It's about Eucharisteo coming out of brokenness. And it's about Eucharisteo living beyond brokenness. Jesus' actions on Thursday point to where he and we actually believe that God is a good father who isn't out to harm us, but does have good intent on our lives, even when we don't see it or feel it. It's a belief about God, about Jesus, that we have to choose. It's faith. It's what this whole thing is. We don't just come together on Sunday morning for a social club. Our lives have to be about gratitude toward God because gratitude is a reflection of one of the major aspects of Christ's character. Our lives have to be uh, about gratitude toward him because he is due it, no matter our state of brokenness or wholeness. Remember that a good father disciplines his children. We need to be grateful for that. But he also protects us in the midst of hard times. And we don't always know that in the middle of it. Our lives have to be about gratitude to God because gratitude produces the joy of the Lord. And if we have joy of the Lord and in the Lord, it is his strength. And if we have strength, then what can stop us? Absolutely nothing. We may be beat up and beat down and have our hearts and souls ripped out of us and just ripped to shreds because of circumstances and have our minds tormented and our bodies afflicted and and eternity not just knocking at the door, but grabbing the door handle of our lives and shaking it and trying to get in and steal our lives from us. But if we are in Christ and we choose gratitude, we are then afforded joy, which makes us more than conquerors, according to Romans 8.37. And if we conquer this life with Christ and only through him, then what greater things do we get to do with him and look forward to in the next? Revelation chapter 2 like, says the stuff that we get to do with Jesus when we conquer with him. Read it. Look it up. It's amazing. It makes these difficult times of life really like, okay, I can handle this because I get that. But also, if you want to go deeper into this thing um, of, of being a more than a conqueror, take a look at Romans 8 and just be ready to have your mind just blown There's something about Thursday that we need to apply to our lives. Jesus has supper and then he goes to the Mount of Olives and prays. This is where brokenness hammers him. His friends can't even stay awake and and he is alone. And he, he challenged them to pray that they wouldn't fall into temptation, but that's exactly what they did. How often do we do that? They couldn't even stay awake when he needed them most. Verse 45 says that they were exhausted with grief. They knew that something, something was coming. They could feel it. So did he. And he was exhausted too, but he kept fighting. His grief was so heavy, 
He was in such agony that he sweat blood. The stress on his mind and in his soul, the brokenness of what was happening, happening in and, and around him was seemingly too much. The anticipation was killing him. Then the enemy was trying to steal his focus, but Jesus had a steel resolve. Just hours before all this, he, he told his buddies he was anticipating his last meal with them. He was awaiting it. He was ready to get the ball rolling. He knew what was ahead. He knew his body would be broken. He knew his mind would be heavily afflicted. And he knew that the weight of our sin would be thrust upon his soul. And he was grateful for it. He thanked God that his body was going to be broken for it. And he took joy in it. The sorrow he felt was offset by his love for you. The pain he felt was no match for, for the forgiveness he has for us. The burden he carried, he gladly took upon himself because he knew we would buckle and fold under the weight of it. And he did it all with a grateful heart. He did it all with a grace-filled heart, and he did it all with joy. And he chose all of it, and he would do it again. Hell threw all that could at Jesus for the next 12 to 18 hours. Everything it had. Satan twisted our sin in an attempt to have his crowning achievement on Jesus. He twisted our sin into a crown of thorns and thrust it on his head and drove it into his skull. Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. He was beaten for our iniquity. And he was mocked so that we could be called sons and daughters of God. He was killed so that we might live. And through it all, he was thinking of you. He was broken so we could be made whole. And he was grateful that he was able to do that for us. Through it all and through all the torment and mockery and pain and anguish and stress, his response, powered by his love for us, was to be thankful for it. His gratitude produced the joy in which we get to partake. The Holy Spirit like, didn't just produce joy in him in, those, in that time period. He ripened it so that it was ready to be eaten by us when Christ came out of the grave. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. And, and this joy, it's, it's the joy of, of holding a newborn baby, whether it's yours or not. It's a new life. We're grateful for it. It's, it's the joy of a, of a groom who sees his, his bride coming around the corner on their wedding day. It's the joy of, of Ryan Stansky who just like, it just bubbles out of him. <laughs> But it's also the same joy that gives us the surety of our salvation in Christ alone. It's the same joy that isn't always an emotion. But it is always a perspective in how we view God as a good father through and out of uh, our place of brokenness as well as in it and our place of wholeness only in him. We know what our response is for Sunday and Friday. And, and Charlie's example of, of not being broken and melancholy on Friday shouldn't exist anymore. It should be a choosing joy on Friday and even more on Sunday. It's a 
Sunday's a party. So should Friday be because that's where the work's put in so Sunday can be a day of enjoyment. But what do we do with Thursday? What do we do with the gift of grace and the gift of joy and the displaying of thanksgiving that he shows? doesn't just talk about, he shows what our response should be. Nothing we can do can be truly enough to acknowledge what Christ has done. He knows that and still did what he did. But what is the response of a broken and contrite heart? What is God's response to all this? What do we need to do? We need to pray. Pray for a heart that isn't turned over to hardness and cynicism when it's broken. God's response, when we ask for that, Lord, don't, don't, don't allow my heart to be hardened. And if it is, soften it. Oh, if you soften it, it's going to be broken more. But what's his response? Ezekiel 36 promises a heart of stone will be exchanged for a heart of flesh. He will take the spirit that is dead in us and instill his own spirit in us so that we may live. That's a big promise that's really, that's true. And we have to choose it in the midst of the hard times. Wholeness is also his response. Ask God that he would be the healing balm and elixir in your life for the brokenness that has occurred in your past and also the stuff that hasn't been taken care of yet. He will make you whole in every way that you've never imagined. And it will mess you up. And thank him for his gift of grace, his spirit of joy, and how he has given us so much to be thankful for because he wants to give us more. We're almost to the end. Almost. These are final thoughts, and then I have final, final thoughts. So. <laughs> I told you it was like eight sermons in one. Final thoughts. If you're not a believer, if you haven't given your life to Christ, if you haven't prayed that prayer and declared with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, but also responded with your heart, this is what you need to do. And if this thing of, of relationship with Christ and, and being healed from your sin and your garbage and death and brokenness is, is something that you haven't stepped into yet, I invite you to do that today. There is healing and restoration for you. No matter what you think you've done, you are not too far from God. And no matter how good you think you are, he is far holier and you need him. He has made a way for all of us. Come and be saved through the power and blood of Jesus Christ alone in no other way. Later on, there's going to be folks here to pray. If this is your first time here, pray with you. Take advantage of that and don't miss the opportunity of what a life with Christ is. Second thing, if you're broken, this is what you have to do. The exact, and it's doing the exact opposite of what your flesh wants to do, doing the exact opposite of what your mind says to do, and even what your heart wants to do. Praise him. Worship him. Literally thank him for everything. Get on your face and start at your feet and thank him. Move to your ankles and thank him. Keep moving up and, and keep moving up your body. And, and if you have a little bit of extra in the midsection, thank him that you've had a, a life of rich food because a lot of people in the world don't have that.
Move to your lungs and thank him for the breath of life that he's breathed into you and that he's still allowing you to breathe. Stop and listen to your heartbeat and thank him that at the moment of conception, he began to just start it with the flick of his thumb and his finger into the heartbeat of his own because that's his intent with you, is to be synced with him. Stop at your clavicles because who knows what they're for, but thank him anyway. <laughs> I don't know what they do, but I'm sure they have a purpose and it's probably really good. And keep thanking him and move up to your neck and to your head uh, and, and, and thank him for your eyes and your brain and your hair if you have it. Um, we have to start sometimes with the simplest things when we're broken. We have to respond with thanksgiving and gratitude and brokenness because it brings the joy of the Lord to our lives. If we have the joy of the Lord, the despondent heart cannot stay in his presence. It's impossible. If we have his joy, despondency is replaced with peace. Philippians uh, 4, I've got to find it. I'm glad I underlined that. Um, four, starts in verse 5. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We have to fight to stay in joy sometimes and just fight to stay in the presence of God sometimes. And it's a fight because it's that valuable. We have to grab joy and hold on to it for dear life because sometimes our lives depend on it. When we respond in gratitude, God starts doing something in our souls and he has, he starts doing something in our souls that can be really annoying. He'll start waking you up in the middle of the night. He's been doing it with me for months now. And it's been annoying. Honestly. Lord, I just want to sleep. Nope. Get up. Get up. Why? Because I got something to talk to you about. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about what's going on in, in, in my soul because there's no distraction in the middle of the night. Get up, walk around your room if he starts doing that and start thanking him. Tell him what's going on and, and be honest. Like I was, had dinner with Pastor and Char on Friday night. I said, there's a difference between when I talk to God and when I pray. The middle of the night is when I talk to God where I can be a whole lot more honest and it's a whole lot less formal. And that's what he wants. He wants the real you. He doesn't want a masquerade of you or what you think he might want from you. He wants you. He loves you just because you're you. That's it. And that's what he wants. He wants that relationship. So get out of bed and walk around and start thanking him and talking to him and listening to him and sharing with him. He wants to share with us. That's why he woke you up. He woke you up to speak to you. He woke you up so he could be alone with you. He woke you up to encourage and uplift and enliven your spirit within himself. 
If you're downcast and beaten up today, come and get some prayer and get some encouragement. Don't wait. The joy and peace of Christ through his brokenness allows us to say that in our own brokenness, that it is well with my soul. Joy isn't an emotion. It's a perspective. For the church, I was scared about this one. Still am. Been gone for a year and a half. I've heard of wanting to see a new move of God. If you want to see a new move of God, be grateful, worship in thanksgiving for the special thing he has done here. I've been to a lot of services in a lot of different churches lately. There are not many places like this. And if you want to see a new move, get ready to be broken. Ask him to break you like Mary did that jar of perfume that covered Jesus from his head. Not just his head, but it covered his entire body from head to toe. And she left there literally being the fragrance of him. Ask to be and expect him to move and go out in the community smelling like him. Don't hold on to it, but give it freely. Give and give and give until you are empty and have nothing left to give because that is when he's going to fill you back up. And he loves to fill us. Prepare and ask him to make you uncomfortable in your faith. Brokenness and comfort do not go together. Comfort and the expansion of the gospel are also at odds. What decision are you going to make? To live in in comfort and good stuff God is doing? And just be good with it? Because you're getting filled. But there's a lot of people who are broken out there who aren't. If that's your place right now and you're happy doing that, you're selfish. And that's a sin and you need to stop it. Or do you want to be hungry again for the move of his spirit in ways that make you uncomfortable? That's a dangerous prayer. But you learn how to have joy in everything. Ask him to allow you to be the fragrance, the balm and the elixir that Christ has been for you. And go out and be it. Worship team, you guys can come up. These are my final, final thoughts. I want to close with a quote from uh, Vince Havner and how brokenness can, can be for us. Um, this, this word of Eucharisteo is, is something that's been pretty uh, prevalent in my life and, and attached to that has been some brokenness, and, and I'm really grateful for it. Uh, it's been hard, but it's been good. It's brought me down some really deep and really random rabbit holes and rabbit trails with God. Um, and I was texting Charlie and Dan about it the other day, and they were just, it's so weird. But it's always worth it when he allows us to like look inside ourselves and be healed. We may not see the value of today or tomorrow or the next month of, of brokenness, but, but you will, and I will, and we will. Vince said, God uses broken things. It takes broken soil to produce a crop, broken clouds to give rain, 
broken grain to give bread, broken bread to give strength. It is a broken alabaster box that gives forth perfume. It is Peter weeping bitterly who returns to greater power than ever after he was broken. I'm not sure where you're landing, where this is landing with you guys. Um, this is a lesson that is not just theoretical for me, but it's learned and practiced now. Um, so I'm just going to pray, and um, we're going to go into time of worship, and then just kind of go from there. So, Father God, I just ask that your word just sits on our hearts, and that it's just a seed that's planted that will grow deep roots, roots of gratitude and of joy, and that those roots will break open our heart and cause us to respond to you with a a new sense of gratefulness and wonder of how you could do what you've done for us. Lord, I just ask that you just uh, hammer our hearts some more and, uh, and cause us to just come to you more. We love you and just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Adam. It's obvious you've been chewing on that for a while. <laughs> it's a good thing. I encourage you in practicality if... Uh, you're saying, I need to step into more thankfulness. Even three things a day, just to pick them out and say, grateful for this, thankful for what God's done here. And just choose to find things that you can celebrate in the Lord. I need to make one point clear. Uh, a number of us have been wrestling through what should our, what is our occupation, our, our responsibility, excuse me, in regard to the Easter season because we don't do a whole lot here, and at times we've had to ask ourselves, are we doing enough? Is it appropriate? It's not our intent to shame or slam anyone else. They have to come to their own conclusions as well. And so what we found for ourselves, and you know, some of us have been wrestling through, well, pretending for me just doesn't work, but others are going, it's not pretending to me, it's, it's just a kind of a part of the picture and so we don't want to insult anyone that way that's that's not us um, but at the same time we're going we each have to find our niche so to speak and sort this out and to honor God with all of our lives and everything we do and all of our celebration and whatever season we're in um, so I just just remind you of that what remains is open-ended stay as long as you can or as you want to um, I'm going to ask God's blessing upon you now. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy what it is to serve a good and generous God and thankfully celebrate that. Ask as each one goes into the community that you'll give them words of life to speak over others. I ask that you'll enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. I ask that you'll gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. In 